Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, not joined by my good buddy Kevin Loco, who's out catching a little Iowa Wild, or my Iowa Wild, Minnesota Wild hockey here tonight, but I'm honored to welcome Drew Ward back to the show. Drew, great having you on again. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me, man. So, Drew, let's talk about, uh, we're going to kind of work backwards here a little bit with me, if you wouldn't mind, but uh, you, you're yeah, just coming fine. back here to the United States. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing over the last little stretch here. Yeah, for the past week, I've been over in Dubai, um, UAE, playing baseball for uh, Baseball United. It was a uh, surreal experience. It, I tell people when they ask me about Dubai, I'm like, it doesn't seem real over there. Because I feel like we don't have anything like they have over here in the United States. But it was uh, it was a blast. They ran, the, they ran it really well. Um, it was good baseball, good competition. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was reading up on this, and, and uh, a lot of common major league names for people out there, Miguel Tejada managing, Bartolo Colon was pitching over there. Mm-hmm. And how, how, was, how was that for you? That was really cool. Um, we had uh, Ramos Cano at second and Didi Gores at short on my team, and um, just getting to play with those guys was really, really neat. And then I got to meet like Albert Pujols, and Nick Swisher, um, who else? Andrew, who else was there? Um, Elvis Andrews, Adrian Beltre, guys like that, which was a really cool moment for me. I would gather. I'm, I'm assuming that uh, this was not uh, baseball is not you know well known in, in kind of in the Middle East area. Am, am I wrong about right. that? Or these fans really no, no, you're going on. No, you're right with that. Um, we're actually the very first baseball. We played the very first baseball, professional baseball game in the Middle East, which is a big deal. Um, it's never been played over there at all. So, and to go over there and do something, you know, to make history was really, really cool. What, what were the stadiums like to play in? We actually played in the cricket stadium, so it was a it was a bowl, kind of like uh, I guess, kind of. I mean, I guess it'd be similar to like an NBA stadium, but outside, I guess. I mean, I guess football stadiums are bowls too, but um, but yeah, it was a cricket stadium, and I learned a little bit about cricket over there. I guess they have a uh, it's called like the secret spot on a cricket field. I don't know if you're familiar with cricket at all, but that's like where the pitcher pitches. So like during BP and stuff, we couldn't they had it all roped off. We couldn't touch it, but clearly during the game it was fine. But it was pretty interesting. It held like almost thirty thousand people, so it was a big stadium. But it was a neat, a very wow. really neat experience. Yeah. Were they were they drawn pretty good crowds for these events? Yeah, they, we weren't drawn thirty, but it it was a decent crowd. I think we had the first night we had over five thousand people there, which is really good because I mean they kind of sprung this thing together pretty quick. I mean they had it in the works for the past two years, but something happened uh, about four months ago where we couldn't bring everybody over, so they kind of had to start from scratch because of, um, I think it was maybe because of the war and stuff that was going on over there in the Middle East. So uh, they had to start from scratch. So uh, we, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. What, what, what kind of led you to decide to go play over there? Say that again, I'm sorry. What, what led you to decide to go play there? Well, last year when I was at Fargo in 22, Chris Coase was talking to me about a league that was going to be in Dubai, and um, he's really good friends with Eddie Diaz, which he was the main guy that got me over there. And um, he gave Eddie my my name, and he just kind of kept up with me throughout that year, and I had a really good year, and he, he liked me, so he gave me the opportunity to go over there. But I would probably have to say Eddie Diaz was the guy that he got me over there, gave me the chance. Now, I gather playing against a lot of former major league guys right there that, that there were some scouts and stuff kind of giving you the ability to showcase your talent over there. So uh, were you seeing that as kind of an opportunity to get your name back with some, maybe some affiliate organization as well? Um, I don't necessarily know about that. I mean, I hope it does help, but um, a lot of the guys that were there are kind of older. So I don't know if there's really a, a chance to get back in affiliate ball, but I will say, I mean, it didn't hurt you know, because um, I know that there was a lot of people watching the games. Um, so hopefully somebody did see me, and hopefully that does 
help me get in, get back in, but we'll see. Well, let's work backwards a little bit now. <laughs> the American okay. Association season ends, but you return to, to the to the Red Hawks, so to speak, to travel down there to play in this new World Championships League. And, and so, tell us a little bit about that experience for you. Yeah, we went down to Mexico. It was the uh, it was the champ- they call it the Champions League, and uh, we played against was it Colombia, um, Mexico, and um, Cuba. Cuba. Yeah, Cuba. Yeah, it was Cuba. And it was a really cool experience. I mean, it was the first first time I've done anything like that. I mean, I've been down to Mexico before to play, but nothing in something like that. So playing against the other countries was really cool. And, you know, getting to see, like, what kind of competition they have and everything. But we came out on top and won the whole thing. So that was, I mean, I feel like that's really important for the, for the American Association, you know, to bring back a trophy. Yeah, nice comeback after dropping that first series. You guys just rolled. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah we dropped that first game, but I just feel like we were just trying to get our feet underneath us. We just flew in. I think it was like the day before we just flew in. We haven't played with each other before. We knew we knew each other just you know from playing against each other. But I mean, you know how sports are. You kind of gotta get your feet underneath and get to know the guys because it is a team sport. You know, so after that first game, I felt like we were a little more comfortable and. Ended up winning the whole thing. There were a lot of questions, I think, you know, including Kevin and I were wondering how this team was going to be put together, and it looked like the league really kind of rolled out the carpet to bring a lot of incredible guys from the American Association. What what was that like being on a sort of a modified all-star team down there? All-star team? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I got to meet a lot of new guys. Um, like I said, I didn't know majority of them, but uh, I think there was, I think they still try to kind of stay, like, I think it was like 11 or 12 Fargo guys that were on there, and then the rest were throughout the uh, the league. But um, it was it was really cool to get to play with all those guys, though. I mean, like, guys like Chris Herman and then, like, Justin Wiley, and then got to play with, like, Dylan Thomas and Connor Panis and guys like that, you know. I mean, it's the memories I'm going to have for the rest of my life, so I'm really unfortunate that I got to go down there and meet all those guys and play with them. How did you find the competition from other countries that were represented there? I thought that it was, it was pretty good. Um, I I still think, you know, the American Association, I feel like we have really good talent in that league. And, I mean, clearly we showed that because we won it. But um, there's still good talent from the other countries. So, I mean, they good competition. But I would still say that the American Association had the best talent, in my opinion. One thing I love hearing from the guys who will travel to Caribbean countries and to Mexico to play is that fans are, like, totally into those games. I mean, they're just fired up about stuff. What, what was the atmosphere like in those contests? Um, the atmosphere, it was pretty good. It wasn't quite like a uh, winter ball atmosphere like I experienced uh, last winter. Because, uh, I mean, the first game I had at Hermosillo, we had, I think, it was close to 30,000 people at the game. So that was absolutely wow. insane, and they stayed. Yeah, they stayed on their feet from from the first out to the last out of the game, and it was just crazy. Um, we didn't really have that experience because they acted like they kind of threw this together kind of the last second, so they didn't get as many people involved as we wish they would have. Um, so I'm hopefully this coming next year, whatever team I think it's, I guess Kansas City will go down. Um, hopefully they get a little better crowds. So let's step back and now one one section before that talk about Milwaukee Milkmen with you last late, right. last season. So traded in the off season. Uh, mm-hmm. What were your thoughts first of all about coming to Milwaukee? I was surprised completely. I wasn't expected to get traded. To be honest with you, I just uh, I talked with Fargo and we agreed with you know a, a new deal to play with them in twenty two, and I thought I was going to be a Red Hawk. And then I got a phone call. I was actually going on vacation down to Disneyland, Disney World with my family. And I was on the plane, and they gave me a call saying I got traded. And I was kind of – I was I was in complete surprise. I didn't even know what to say. But um, I had a good time in Milwaukee. I mean, I dealt with some injuries this year that were kind of – you know, that hurt my swing a little bit. I didn't really have everything that I had, especially in 22 – I mean, in 21 – 
No, it was 22, I guess. I guess this past year was 26. Sorry, trying to get the years mixed up. But um, I had a good experience. We had a good team and, you know, had a bunch of good guys on the team. We had a, we had a really good time. Yeah, you know, I, I love that Milwaukee team because I thought just one through nine in the lineup. N- nobody who had just eye-popping numbers, but just guys, except for Brian Torres, of course. But everybody just seemed to figure out a way to get a big hit in that lineup when it was needed. And, and it just looked like you guys were having a lot of fun playing this last season. Yeah, we did. We did. We had, a, like I said, we had a really good team. We had a, we kind of had a veteran team. We had an older team. So we all pretty much been in affiliate ball. So um, we knew, like, when we needed to step up, you know. And, um, but like I said, we were, we were older. So it was a good, it was a, just a really good time. How was that for you? Um, I, I know you were battling through some nagging injuries as the season was going along. And, and I mean, as fierce a competitor as there is out there. So I, I know that had to be a bit of a challenge for you personally to, to try to battle through that this year. Yeah, it was really frustrating. Um, I really just, I probably, to be honest with you, I probably should not have played and got it fixed by injury. But I didn't, and I tried to play through it just because, like you said, I am a competitor, and I felt like I could still help the team out. But um, it was very frustrating. But, you know, we made it to the semis, and, you know, we're pretty much just one hit away from making it to the championship. So it still, it still worked out for the team. But um, it was very, very, very uh, frustrating for me. I'm kind of curious for you at this point, as you're looking at where your career is at, because your numbers have been, I mean, take away kind of an injury plague 2023, and, and your numbers have just been amazing over the last few years. And you talked about with Kevin and I a couple of years ago about coming out of the Tigers organization after working on your swing, and it really caught fire for you. What are you how, can, how do you see your yeah, kind of your career progression working at this point? Because, man, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. It's surprising you're already not back in affiliate ball. Right, yeah. It's just, I mean, with today's baseball, it's just so tough to get back in the Philly. I mean, you got to be pretty young to get back. Um, but, I mean, I'm going to see what happens. I'm still kind of up in the air right now with my career. I'm going to still keep trying to play, you know, because I still want to go back over to Dubai because we're going to have a full season next uh, winter. It's going to be, like, from November to December 30th. So it's going to be, like, a 60-game season. So um, I'm going to, like, might try to go down to Mexico or, like, try to go over to, like, Italy or something like that this coming summer. But um, it's still, like I said, it's still up in the air. I haven't really made those decisions yet. I haven't really. I still got to sit down with my family and kind of figure out what's best fit for me and my family. So, does that mean we may not see you in an American Association uniform next year? You may you may not. Um, I haven't decided yet. Like I said, I need to tell my family and have that discussion. But but we'll see. I mean, anything can happen. We're still what five five months away, something like that. Four or five months away. So we'll see. That's terrible, Drew. I mean, I'm happy for you, but <laughs> I'm disappointed Thanks. for me. I know. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, I did want to say that I was glad to see because, uh, you know, we, I asked you about this after you guys had won the championship in Fargo a couple of years ago that um, still got the one stolen base. So still battling through an injury, but but got uh, got the wheels going this year. Oh, yeah, I got one stolen base. You know, uh, like I told you before, one for one every year. Once I, once I get the one, I always tell the manager, hey, I got to get one. And once I, once I get that one, I shut it down. <clears throat> so... <laughs> Can we talk a little bit, too, about the championship run for the club there in Fargo a couple seasons ago? I know that yeah. had to be super exciting. You guys were so close on a couple of occasions, and then that miraculous comeback in Game 5. I mean, just talk right. to us a little bit about how exciting that was for you personally. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the emotions were all over the place. I mean, it was, it was something I'll never forget, and the friendships I made in 22 at Fargo. I'll have for the rest of my life. But like I said, the emotions were so all over the place. And I can't, honestly, I can't believe we won. I, I truly believe we were the better team in the championship. It's just Milwaukee played very well. And in game five, I honestly thought we weren't going to win. And what was it, the sixth or seventh inning? We were down by like six or seven. 
It yeah. wasn't looking good too, good, too good for us because they still had some really good pitching in the bullpen. Milwaukee did. But, um, I mean, we fought. We came back. We ended up winning that thing. And, you know, it's something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. You know, the interesting part about that was that if you looked at that dugout after they had their big six-run inning, uh-huh. you'd have no idea you guys were losing. I mean, it, just, it didn't even look oh, like you guys were remotely Yeah, that's just out. how – right. I mean, we that's just – winners win, and that's the kind of the mentality we had. I mean, in the back of my head, like I said, it was it was going to be tough. Like, I didn't think we were going to come back and win. But, I mean, we weren't going to show it. We weren't going to fight until the last out. And that's what we've done all year, that year. Um, I mean, our record kind of says it for itself. And, you know, we came back and won. So. You know, I think a lot of people forget out about that is that it wasn't just an exciting game five in the championship series, but you guys lose in, in, to Kansas City at home in game one and then have to travel down to, to face the Monarchs, a team that had an unbelievable offensive year. Both oh, yeah. two games in Kansas City sweep that, and that was quite a run altogether. It was, it was, because I mean, if you remember, we lost against Winnipeg that first game too, the very first series of uh, the playoffs, and then we won the next two at home. But yeah, beating whatever Kansas City beat us at home, I knew that if we all we had to do was win that first game in Kansas City, I knew we were going to win the second one, just because we had the momentum going, and like like I said. Before, I mean, our team, we just knew how to win, and we never, we never gave up because we want, we wanted it really bad. Now, talking about the relationships with you had with those those guys on the Red Hawks a couple of years ago, you know, I mean, I think brotherhood is kind of sometimes a little bit cliche and overused, but boy, you guys look like you know Kevin McGovern and Leobaldo and guys like that. I mean, you guys look like you were brothers out there. Oh, we were. We were hands down. I mean, we I still talk to those guys at least once every week or every two weeks, even now. And uh, I mean, we all stay really close. We actually still have like a group chat, a group me that we kind of jump on here and there, you know. But um, we, we it was a brotherhood for sure. And now I'm I'm pretty sure now for sure that you're because you're still playing and and he's kind of resting right now, so. Christian Correa has nothing on you at this point, I would gather, in terms of speed. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm a little faster than he is. <laughs> but he showed off the wheels that last play of the, of the championship, though, at second base. Glad he saved, glad he saved it for that big moment. I know, right? Yeah, he, he saved it up all year just for that right there. It was all, it was all built up for that moment. <laughs> Well, you know, the the last couple of years now, you've been playing more winter ball. Um, what do you kind of see that as – how does that benefit you moving forward at this point? It just keeps giving me more opportunities to keep playing, honestly. I mean, it, may, it helps me make a little bit more money on, as well. But um, it's just – I mean, I'm just fortunate that there, are, that there is, like, winter ball where I can get can go play and still have an opportunity. Are you – just now in training in this mode, or could we see you playing somewhere else over the next couple of months? No, I'm probably not going to be playing again I'm, um, this winter. I'm just in training mode right now, kind of just waiting until summer ball. Yeah, and what does that look like? What, what What's the, the Drew Ward training regimen look like? Um, I Right now, since I just got back, I'm actually um, – just going to be relaxing for, you know, probably for a week or so, and then I'll probably jump back on it. But I try to work out, you know, three to four times a week, and then I'll probably start hitting in about a month or so, and then just kind of go from there. But, uh, yeah, I try to work out about three or four times a week um, during the winter and then have my wife help me with my uh, with my diet, you know. But she, uh, she, she stays on me pretty good on it, so. That's always nice to have. It's got to keep that speed going. So, you know, got to... That's right. Gotta That's keep right. Got to stay light. <laughs> uh, are there guys that you work out with during the offseason that you, that you play with? Uh, there was, but all those guys have retired now. So, it just, I guess, okay. kind of shows how long I've been playing. But, 
Yeah, there, we used to work out here the, in Oklahoma City, and there was probably like five or six of us. But yeah, I'm the only one playing right now, so I'm 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 riding solo, I guess you would say. Well, that, that is, so is this the first year you've been training on your own, kind of that way? Then, uh, well, two years ago, I guess 2022, okay. going into the 2022 season, was the first time I uh, trained by myself. And it did, it did kind of, it, it kind of stunk, but I mean, it had a really good trainer then, and I mean, he made it a lot of fun. So, but I did for sure miss the guys that I worked out with. Now, now let me ask you, because I know the ultimate goal is to get back into affiliate ball, eventually playing Major League Baseball out there. But, but I'm just right. kind of curious. You're, you've always put up impressive numbers. You had some big home run numbers, had great batting averages, impressive on-base percentages all the time. Are there goals that you're setting for yourself you'd like to maybe do something different or just something you're trying to reach coming up in the se- upcoming season? Um, honestly, for me, I, I would love to just stay healthy for a full season. That's probably my biggest goal, to be honest with you, because, I mean, I have had really good numbers for the past, you know, like four or five years. But if you look back, I mean, I've, I've, I've been hurt for at least like a, you know, a month or a half a month during those seasons. So part of the biggest goal for me is just to stay healthy because I feel like I could put up really, really good numbers if I could stay healthy. Yeah, there was that fluky injury right before the All-Star break a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that that was tough. I actually, it was, it was a pretty bad injury, but luckily it was my left elbow. I actually tore my uh, UCL, my left elbow, right before. And I came back. I probably came back a little too early, but, you know, I was still, you know, putting the ball in play. That's why my – I think I had, like, 15 home runs at half, but only ended, ended with, like, 17 or 18 or something like that. But that's that's the biggest reason why my power numbers went down after All-Star break. Do you have, uh, like, the wife or something kind of going, okay, maybe we need to heal a little bit before we get back on the field now or something? Yeah, she she kind of says that, but she she wants me out there. She knows that I love playing it, so she's supportive of whatever decision I make, you know. Um, but uh, if it, if it gets too bad with the injury, she'll tell me like, "Hey, try to try to get healed a little bit." But uh, but she's trying to push me out to go play because she knows that's something I love to do. Understandable, and you do it quite well, so she's gonna be pretty happy and proud of her husband. Oh yeah, yeah. She's she's a good wife, so I'm very fortunate. So, so what does Drew Ward watch in, in in the sports world out there when baseball is not not a it's not standing at home plate there? Um, I watch uh, football. I like, I like the NFL. I watch a little bit. And of who are we watching right now? Uh, um, the Steelers. <clears throat> That's my team. My dad actually, he uh, back in the day, because he's kind of old, he uh, <laughs> he uh, he had to pick between a couple of teams, and those are the only teams he got to watch whenever he was a kid. And the Steelers was one of them. That's the team he picked. So that's what I grew up watching, and it just stuck. And that's my team. So that's what I'm watching right now. My, well, just so you know, my my dad is, was a Steelers fan as well. So. Uh... I'm oh, sure you got to hear all kinds okay. of great Terry Bradshaw oh, stories yeah. and things. Oh yeah, all of them. <laughs> all of them. That's well, they were good. You can't, you know, you can't argue with with success. Like no, that, you, so. they're they're extremely good. Yeah, I want to. I mean, well, what are you top three, top four best franchises in all of football history? So yeah, I I would say for sure. Well, what are we thinking about the Steelers for this season? I mean, they're getting pretty lucky, to be honest with you. I mean, they have a good record right now, but I think they've been out, like, yardage or outgained, I guess they, I think they say, in the last, like, yeah. like, like I think maybe every game this season, and somehow, other than yesterday, and somehow they're 7-4, and four, which is crazy. But, uh, close one, but yeah. no, yeah, the one of the close ones, but, I mean, anything can happen. It's the NFL. You know, it's professional sports, so anything can happen. I mean, they could they could get on here for playoffs, and you know, and maybe win win a win a few games. But I highly doubt they uh, they make it to the Super Bowl and do that whole thing. 
so we're a huge Steelers fan then. So who's the biggest arch enemy in your opinion then? Oh, I don't know. I probably have to say the Ravens. Okay, that's probably our. That's probably the biggest rivalry. I would have to say. I mean, they, they, I mean, they've been good throughout the yeah. years. Yeah. I really can't Absolutely. think of another one. Maybe, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the Ravens. It's kind of hard to dislike Cleveland when they haven't been very good for ninety exactly. years. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I couldn't say them. <laughs> so in college, are you are you thinking Georgia's going all the way then? Yeah, probably. Um, I was hoping my Sooners were going to do a little better. I mean, we had high hopes there until we got beat by uh, Kansas, and uh, that that hurt us. But uh, probably Georgia, if I, had to, if I had to put money on it. I mean, they're, they're pretty really – they're they're a really good all-around team. So they'll probably pull it out. So what did you think happened in that Kansas game? <laughs> I don't know. It was just, it was bad all around. We didn't throw the ball at all. We did not throw the ball very well at all that game. And Gabriel, he's been throwing the ball really well like the whole year prior to that. So I really don't know what happened there. Because I felt like we just kind of gave that away. Which Kansas, which Kansas, I mean, they're not a bad team this year. But they're clearly, I mean, I still don't think they're better than OU. I think it was just one of those given days in college football where they just beat OU. And it shouldn't happen. Just like when we got beat by OSU, that probably shouldn't happen either. OSU, I kind of get those sometimes because you know with rivalry yeah, games like that, you just never know. Right, Kansas, that was right. a shocker. Yeah, that was shocked. It shocked everybody. I think it shocked the whole nation, to be honest with you. Because I think we were ranked, <laughs> I think we were ranked like sixth at the time or fifth. Yeah, fifth or sixth. Yeah, it shocked the whole nation. Yeah, I would say so. All right. Is this the year that coming up here, SEC, Oklahoma's going to the SEC? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, Oklahoma, Texas moving to the SEC uh, next year. Yeah, so we won't ever play uh, <clears throat> Oklahoma State ever again. Or any other what are you thinking about that? Teams. Um, a little nervous about it, to be honest. I mean, we're going to have to get a little better defense, I feel like. But, I mean, it's the SEC. I mean, it's probably the best conference in all of college football. So I feel like that will help our recruiting. I mean, we are OU. We're like a Power 5 school. So, I mean, just going over there is going to help the recruiting even more than <clears throat> just being OU, you know, if that makes sense. Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel, like, I feel like we'll be fine. It might take a couple of years for us to get used to it, you know. We might not go like this year what we went 10-2. We might not go 10 into next year, but I mean, I feel like we're still going to be very, we're still going to be good and be able to compete. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you get Texas A&M back. How about that? So That is true. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a few years since they were in the uh, Big 12. So, so if you, you haven't listened to Kevin Nine quite a while, you should know besides being huge into baseball, food always become some kind of topic here. So when you're over there playing a, a couple of weeks ago, what, what's the uh-huh. big food you're having in Dubai? I mean, what, 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 what can you sample over there? You're like, man, that was pretty good. The food? It was, yeah, yeah it was amazing over there, to be honest with you. It, I didn't have a bad meal over there. And it was honestly similar, which there's the, like, the, uh, I guess the Arabian, I guess, it, I mean, I think that's, the right word I'm using there, food over there, that it was okay, but really all the other food that I had was very similar to what we had in America, but I just felt like it was way better because I just felt like food in other countries are better than in America because of all the extra processed stuff that we put in our food here. But in Dubai, the food, the, the meat over there was great. I had it went to a steakhouse, and it was one of the best steaks I've ever had. Oh, now I'm hungry over there. So, so right. did, was it part of like a team meal, or did you go out to restaurants? Uh, we went, we just went out to a restaurant. 
but uh, we had a couple. We had a we had a couple of team meals that we had, which was really good. They actually uh, had us because uh, we we're over there during Thanksgiving, so we had a Thanksgiving meal at this um, at a polo uh, club, which was pretty cool. And we had like kind of the traditional, you know, turkey and you know stuffing and stuff like that. And it was really good, but uh, it didn't, it didn't top the the steak I had. <laughs> so. so uh... <laughs> I guess I should ask then, because are you, are you a turkey guy at Thanksgiving? Because I'm hearing more and more people are not liking that for some reason. Yeah, I'm. I I mean, yeah, I am. I, I eat it, but I'm not like I'd rather have because I feel like ham is a big thing during Thanksgiving too. And I'd rather have ham, to be honest with you, than turkey. <laughs> well, man, no turkey. Come on, Drew. I mean, that's like I know. I know. That's meat out there. <laughs> not for me I like the ham I understand I get that too well Drew man I really appreciate you joining me and since you've been on here a couple times now that you know you get to give me an incredible final thought so uh, for, I'll okay. floor turns to you whatever you'd like to talk about um, I mean I just appreciate you guys uh, letting me get on here again I enjoyed the last time it's been a really good time and uh, hopefully I can get back on with you guys again you know, and share my life update, which would be great. I enjoy talking to you guys. We'd absolutely love that. Drew Ward, thanks for joining me this week. Yeah, I appreciate it, Rob. Well, I'm I'm glad to have my good buddy Kevin Luco back with me here. Uh, so, so Kevin, uh, first of all, interesting about this whole cutter baseball league drew drew over there you know working on this thing right there but uh, met a lot of former major leaguers like miguel tejada managing over there and bartolo Colon playing at 50 years old so i'm not sure whether i'm supposed to be impressed by that or like is this old timers or what's going on here this whole thing just sort of flew under the radar for me i really didn't have much of a clue what was going on until recently when i saw some highlights and i was just pretty interested to see how the whole setup was and who was playing and how was the how it was attended it was weird you know looking at the stadium they're playing in it looked like the the seats in the ballpark looked like remember the old time um i guess not old time because they're still being used a little bit the the chairs at the bowling alley that would be right down by the scorer's table yeah made out like fiberglass. It looked like that's what the seats yeah. looked like in the, in the ballpark. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, so I'm assuming that baseball, it looked like it's kind of a new sport to the whole country over there. So everything about their ballparks had to be built from scratch within the last few years. Um, so, I mean, I haven't heard of the cutter being the hotbed of baseball action previous to this. So, uh, but hey, you know, God bless them. Go out there and run your your baseball league. And, uh, you know, baseball is one of those sports, Kevin, that seems to be catching on more and more across the globe out there. And so pretty excited to see the Middle East, I guess, getting into the action. Yeah, let's, let's say really follow it through whatever channels they have to follow it. I mean, they really may not even have an idea that a lot of these guys were guys that just couldn't do it in the majors anymore to them. As far as they know, they're in their prime yet. That's a very good point, Kevin. You know, it's that a 50-year-old guy may not seem out of the out of place over there. And I mean, it's not like Bartolo Colon was a guy who was always bringing heat or anything like that. He was just a great pitcher who knew how to get guys out. So he can do that at 50 years old still. So good for him. Well, Kevin, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Milkmen from this last year, and uh, you know, team that just for a about two and a half months looked like they were just a clear team to beat heading through the all-star break. Then that, that starting staff just seemed to wear down a little bit and the bullpen uh, didn't, didn't seem to have the dominant closer until Peyton Gravery took over that role again. And, and it, you know, seemed to be the Achilles heel for this team when they needed them most. Yeah, I think you nailed it just about right there. And it, it, didn't seem like at times things were clicking all at the same time. It was like the bats were 
putting up a ton of runs, but the the pitching wasn't there. And then it seems like when the pitching get it together, the bats um, tailed off. So still had a decent year, but um, it just didn't really seem like they were up to their full potential. You know, one thing I really liked about this team, Kevin, was that we've seen some some guys put up unbelievable offensive numbers in Milwaukee here. Adam Brett Walker is probably the greatest example of that. There was nobody that has had a, a monster year offensively outside of Brian Torres, uh, who led the league in batting average. Again, Roy Morales had a solid batting average number, but there wasn't anybody with huge home run numbers, nobody with huge RBI numbers. They just figured out a way to score runs and win games on that. And I, I like those kind of scrappy offenses. I thought that made Milwaukee a lot of fun to watch. It was a, yeah, like you said, it was a different kind of attack. And granted, yeah, there wasn't the dominant force with Walker, but yet, you know, Brian Torres in his own way was a dominant force in the league. So, and Roy Morales, we saw him do very well at the AAA level in St. Paul the year before, so it didn't really surprise me that he arrived in Milwaukee and had himself a very good season. You, you've talked about this. Kind of looking back now, you've had about a month and a half away since the season ended, maybe two and a half months here. Um, how impactful do you think that that was to have those the playoff scenario work out the way it was because they were, they were running other kind of events going on there? Do, do, do you think that's the reason this team doesn't make the championship? It's hard to say. I mean, no one can really go back and recreate the games. And, you know, the the, the players, the managers, they're going to tell you that, hey, you know what, it's what, to use that overused um, phrase that our culture likes to use, it is what it is. So they're going to tell you that. But, you know, uh, as someone analytical such as you and I, we it's our job to kind of go back and break it down and think, what if, they did have home field advantage for that series against Chicago. Would it have been a different story? So, so yeah, like I said, the team's not going to say it. We will. So I think there was a – I think it did make a difference. Complaining is what we do best, Kevin, that's for sure. Uh, so um, – yeah, we're going to hire a I woman to come on with us next year, Constance Bickering. <laughs> you know, I, I'm as this career for Anthony Barone has, has really caught fire here in Milwaukee, just done an amazing job with these milkmen. I think we're now in season, we passed season four um, with him here. Um, it really is astounding to see how well this guy has done with his club in just a short amount of time and, and not a huge amount of managerial experience to begin with, um, but really has figured out a way to be a winner every year. And I, I think at this point, you have to really kind of talk about him in the league of amazing managers as being a top three. I mean, is, that a, is that too much I'm saying that there? I don't think it's a terrible reach. I just think that it's pretty unique that even though he's only been around since 2020, he's starting to be considered one of the old hands of the league. And and I think that's good for the Milwaukee franchise, too, that they have someone at the helm that they know is going to put a competitive team together season after season. Sometimes you see teams come in the league, and it's like – carousel of managers before something eventually connects. But with with the milkman, yeah, you had your McClure for the first season, but boy, um, Anthony Barone has definitely settled that position down. I just think that just bodes well for the franchise in general. Very well said by you there. Well, Kevin, only uh, one move that happened. That was the Cleveland Railroaders signing infielder Jalen Hubbard and right-handed pitcher Justin Kleinsorge, uh, my favorite name of the year already. Um, I'm not surprising around the Thanksgiving break that a a lot of deals aren't going on out there as everybody's just enjoying the holiday. But this kind of heads into December. We get, Kevin, where more and more clubs have been getting into the 
free agent market, looking to see what's available out there and trying to sign some guys early on. And I'm interested about your take with, you know, Pete and Cavillia down there in, in Cleburne taking over the club for the, uh, in his first season with the team and Logan Watkins up there in Winnipeg for his first season with the club. And then you've had some successful seasons recently now with Mike uh, Meyer there in Sioux Falls. Do, do you see these new managers wanting to go, you know, we got to get splashy right now, so we're going to get involved in the free agent market as quickly as possible, or do you see them kind of hanging out for a little bit and trying to see how the market unfolds? It's kind of funny as you were talking about the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, I'm just imagining like uh, like a Steve Montgomery sitting at the Thanksgiving table with like his phone underneath the table texting a potential player or trying to make a deal to bring a guy in. you got to think it's, um, you know, it's 24-7 with these guys, I think, even in the offseason. Just, you know, a player becomes available, word gets around, and then that's when the recruiting kicks in. I'm not picking on Steve, of course. There could be other managers that could have been doing the same exact thing. Absolutely, and I think are. You know, I, I think this is, like you said, a 24-hour job now. This is not, um, you know, when I first jumped into this in 2014, uh, it seemed like in January, February, a lot of managers were getting involved in, the, in looking at player procurement for the year. But, boy, those days are long gone. Uh, you have to be in from the start. So, you know, September 5th, <laughs> six like teams are already building for next year. Um, well, when you guys go around, when you got things going on like the Australian League is now up and going. You have to imagine that these managers are watching those games with a bit of a curious eye too, thinking, "Okay, is somebody lining it up over there that I can bring back over here and be a part of my team?" Is is a guy like a Josh Altman? If he's going to be back in Chicago next year, is he? If you call back to Butch Hobson saying, hey, you know what, I'm playing with the guy over here I think would be a good fit for us in Chicago. So, like you said, I mean, it's year-round. Absolutely. And speaking of Josh Altman, so he's kind of tearing it up right now out there in winter ball. So glad to see that going on. American Association's out on their Twitter page having a bunch of comments about guys that are playing well in, in winter ball out there. So you got to keep watching out for that. I don't believe Australia got underway yet, though. Is, am I wrong about that? I think they have. They, they just got going. Oh. Okay, just got going. So our buddy Dan Vaughn will be traveling down there to do a little broadcasting. And Oh, you're right, because uh, Mike, Michael Dixon headed down there, too, I believe. Am I, isn't that yes, right? Yes, he has been. He yeah. has been, as I believe they pronounce it all, to, or Melbourne. Melbourne. It's not Melbourne like we would pronounce it. Apparently it's pronounced Melbourne. Okay, well, see, you get geography and uh, baseball here out on this week in the association. So how, how about that? Um, so that that's fantastic. So, uh, you know, I think you could even say that over the last few years, you and I have all of a sudden been paying a little more attention to Australian baseball. So um, I know the league wants to have a, a better um, relationship with out there, and, and so – you know, they're catching even our eye out about what's going on with the games. And, yes, they are eight games into the season right now, Kevin, with the Adelaide Giants holding a 7-1 record as the top team in, in the league so far. Uh, do we have to see if we have any uh, guys and stats that, that leap out at us here right now that I can just see quickly off here? Uh, no, I don't see any American Association guys up there in batting right at the moment, but uh, usually we have, you know, probably 18, 20-something guys that wind up going down there to play winter ball in Australia, and why not? But, but what better way, I guess, someone would say to have Christmas than out in the sun and on the beach. Ryan Bollinger, I see, playing for Brisbane, okay, so Tyler Beersley. Okay, after a great season there in, in Kane County, he heads down there as well. Kevin McGovern is, man, Kevin McGovern pitching down there. Look at that. Okay, a lot of pitchers, I guess, went down from the American Association, Kevin. So that's good to know. They're getting, they're getting a little sunshine in there. And, uh, you know, a little plug here. I believe if it hasn't already, um, Talking Baseball Australia should be kicking in with our good friend Dan Vaughn. Dan Vaughn and... I forget the gentleman he's with, his last name's Morgan. They do a 
when the season gets going. I hope they're still doing it, a weekly podcast covering Australian, the Australian Baseball League. So they've got things all covered if you're looking for your fix on Australian Baseball League talk. Just look up Talking Baseball Australia on Facebook and you'll find where the podcasts are available. The Australian version this weekend. Yes, I think they're even on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. The Australian version of this week in the association. So, how about that? Um, Let's jump around to some other leagues out there, Kevin, real quickly. Stephen Tassler, named today as the new Frontier League commissioner. A longtime guy within the league, has almost three decades of experience with the Frontier League out there. And, and from what I'm understanding, it was it was not a surprise to anybody that this guy wound up getting the job. Just a, a long-standing person involved in several different things, including being director of operations for the Evansville Otters, and um, probably knows the league about as well as any person possibly could know. So looks like it's a natural fit. So congratulations to Mr. Taffler out there and his new role with the Frontier League. And um, you know, a, a few years ago. Uh, we, man, I can't, I, I feel bad because I can't remember who it was we had on the show that was in the American Association and then went out and joined in the old Can-Am League and I thought then moved on to the Frontier League as like the deputy commissioner or something. Does that name ring, does that scenario ring a bell to you at all? Yes, I, oh gosh, I'm going to beat myself up for not remembering or there's going to be about five people that are going to text me his name. But... <laughs> I know I feel bad. I'm, I'm deeply sorry about this. He was a great I, guy. I kind of lost touch with him, but um, I want to say it's Win is the last name. Kevin Win. Kevin Win. See, okay, I wasn't insane. Okay, there we go. I'm not that old yet. Okay. Um, Good job, whatever, Rob. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> whatever happened to him? I don't what, know. What I don't know. I kind of, like I said, I lost um, touch with him a bit. I haven't heard from him in a while. Don't know if he's still working with the league or not. No. Kevin, if you're out there and doing something, listen to the show, catch up with Kevin and I. We'd, we'd love to know what's going on out there. So see how you're doing. Well, as it is the end of November here, Kevin, uh, with not a lot of exciting action going on out there in the market and, and with stuff going on. So I think we're up to... Uh, um. We're getting a shout-out, but before we do that, uh, anything Kevin Luca wants to catch us up on before we head out for this week? Uh, you know, I don't think so, Rob, and I tell you, it's, it's um, I hope we start getting some news soon because it's, it's getting kind of hard to um, stay in the groove of everything when there's not much really to talk about every week. You know, you and I do a good job of keeping things going, but I hope that we hear some, we hear some stuff coming out soon about players yeah, being signed or a, a rumored new market for the league. So, if the if the league's listening, throw us a bone here, ha, break a story, do do just do something, please. Not on a Tuesday though. Do it on yes. a Monday or a Friday. I mean, we'll, we'll take that too. That'd be fine with us. Well, uh, coming out of Thanksgiving, Kevin, what, who's your shout-out for this week? My shout-out is to the power of radio. Either through the conventional brick-and-mortar version or Sirius or XM satellite radio. I had this scenario happen on Saturday afternoon. I was sitting in a parking lot in Mankato, eating a pizza, Valerie's Pizza, the best pizza in Minnesota, and I'm listening to our um, our colleague Tanner Hoops doing a halftime interview on the Gopher Radio Network, in the halftime of the Gopher Wisconsin football game. All of a sudden, I'm getting a text from Dan Vaughn, who was down in Texas running errands. And he pulled the game up on either Sirius or XM satellite radio and was also listening to Tanner doing a halftime interview with the Gopher alum. 
And I just thought, wow, a podcaster for the American Association listening to a broadcaster doing a halftime interview and then another broadcaster texting and saying that he was also listening to it. I mean, that's me. It talks a lot about the brothership of um, all of us that are in the league media circles of the American Association. And I just thought it was just a pretty neat irony that, you know, Tanner's doing his thing in Minneapolis and here a guy in the parking lot in Mankato and another guy down in Texas are listening in. Also tells us what a great technological age we live in when you can, you know, I mean, it no used doubt. to be that you, you couldn't hear anything beyond your local market, and now you can enjoy listening to guys all over, anywhere. So that, that's fantastic. Let's see, what should my shout-out be for this week? How about to, uh, um, how, about, how about this? So, so Kevin had an incredible one last week to those amazing people out there making fantastic Thanksgiving meals. Um, so I, I will give uh, a shout-out to people like myself who ate well, <laughs> ate well more than they should have, but uh, didn't let all that hard work go to waste. You know, they made, they made sure that all those amazing wives and some husbands out there who made Thanksgiving meals did not feel like their efforts were in vain, that they, everybody got their money's worth out of it there. So that's my shout out for this week. People eating too much. And not to mention, uh, probably a little additional shout-out to all the plumbers out there on Friday because I had heard a story that they say Black Friday is not only the busiest day of the year for retailers, but it is also the busiest day of the year for plumbers. <laughs> That's a stat I love. So I'm going to remember that for the future for sure. Fantastic. Well, Kevin and I want to thank Drew Ward for joining us this week. We will continue our series looking back on the 2023 season as well as looking ahead to stuff that's going on around in um, Partner League Baseball out there. So for Kevin Luca, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association. <laughs>